St. Anthony of Padua was asked on one occasion to preach at a funeral mass. And the decedent was a very uh, well-known man in the city. He was very wealthy, but he was also very wicked. He was greedy and he oppressed the poor, in particular by lending them money and charging a high interest rate. The gospel that St. Anthony proclaimed at the funeral mass was the same as the one we heard just now. And it included that line, for where your treasure is, there also will your heart be. And as St. Anthony was preaching, he had a vision of the man's soul in torment. And he said this during his homily. He said, this man is dead and buried in hell. But go to his treasures, and there you will find his heart. Well, after the funeral, curious relatives and friends went to where the man kept his valuables. He had actually a large chest that was usually filled with gold. And they opened the chest, and they saw sitting on the gold a still warm human heart. Last week, Jesus told us to be on guard against greed. This week, Jesus teaches us to be faithful and generous stewards of all that God has given us. When we support the mission of the church and when we help the poor, we are depositing in heaven an inexhaustible treasure that thief cannot reach nor moth can destroy. Jesus poses this question, who then is the faithful and prudent steward? And to understand the question, we have to know what a steward is. A steward is a servant who is given responsibility for the master's property and also overseeing the other servants. Jesus would often talk about stewards in his parables. I remember a trip we made to Michigan when I was young, and my brother Stephen at the time was two or three years old, and and he was going through this phase where his favorite word was mine. So we were at my grandparents' place. He would grab the remote control. He would hold on to it tightly and he would say, mine. And he would grab other things and he would say, mine. Now that is something that's kind of amusing in a two or three-year-old, but if an adult has that mentality, not so amusing. For the truth of things is this, brothers and sisters, what we have is not absolutely ours, but has been entrusted to us by God. And for what purpose has God given us so many gifts, so much wealth? Well, God does give us gifts for our own benefit, certainly, but not only. A good steward is one who manages what he has been given according to the master's will, which includes the well-being of the other servants, as we heard in the second parable that Jesus told. Think of all that God has given you, all your material resources, your health, your time, your abilities, knowledge, knowledge of, of the truth, of the faith. Those of you who are parents, God has blessed you, He's given you Children, why has God given you children? To make you happy? To make you suffer? <laughs> well, yes, God wants you to be happy with your children. And now maybe you're, as a parent you say, well, no, my purpose as a parent is so my children will be happy, which is good as well. 
But that's not the whole story either. Parents, God gives you children, most of all, so that the way you raise them and love them and the kinds of people they become will make God happy. We come to Mass every Sunday, oftentimes, whether it be the reading or maybe the music or even maybe the preaching, we sense God speaking to us. We have some kind of inspiration, some kind of movement of our hearts. But oftentimes, it kind of doesn't go anywhere. You know, maybe we, we, we hear a gospel about forgiveness or about patience, and we say, yeah, I need to forgive more. <laughs> I need to be more patient. But we don't actually put it into practice. We don't have concrete resolutions that come from what God is saying to us. Jesus tells us it is so important for us to be vigilant, right? to be prepared. So we need to put into practice when we have this sense that God is asking something of us. Now, throughout the year, there are some appeals made, the Catholic annual appeal, different charities, but only once a year do we, from, uh, during Mass, ask you to financially support the parish. And guess what? That's this Sunday. And so when we talk about stewardship of treasure, about what Jesus is, is saying about, about actually having this treasure in heaven by giving alms, when we talk about that, this is one of the things that, one of those uh, good things you can do that you can literally quantify. You can actually quantify it to the last penny when it comes to stewardship of treasure. So there is an amount, actually, given in the Old Testament that God says is his. It needs to be given back. And so maybe you've heard the word tithe. It simply means tenth. So you look at the Old Testament, God asks for the Israelites to give back to him a tenth of what, of what they, from their produce, from their stock of animals. Now I know many of you are saying, Father, you're crazy. A tenth of my income, it's too much. I actually know people, and not all of them are really wealthy. I know people who are modest incomes, who have tithed most of their adult life. So, everyone's situation is different, but I know at least for some people it's possible. Now, my recommendation as a goal is to get up to where you're giving 5% to the parish and 5% to other charities, and to the parish is something you can split between our ordinary income and our building fund. And I guess the first thing to figure out is, do you even know what percentage of your income you give to the parish and to other charities? So first you would need to figure out what that is. And so instead of jumping to 10% from wherever you're at, maybe do a draft budget, just 1% more of your income, and, and see how that looks. See if, in that draft budget, see if you will become homeless or not have three meals a day, or even if you'll be deprived of most of the luxuries you enjoy. Probably not for most of you. And so in faith, step out and go along with that new budget of giving 1% more of your income per year. And after a year, evaluate it in prayer and see what happens. Just to give you a sense of the expenses of the parish, you know, every year we actually give you a report, the Finance Council does, it's on the parish website. It explains with pie charts and all the numbers, our income and our expenses in the different categories. And all of you should actually have some interest in it. All of you should see yourself as, as stakeholders. We're one big family here together. But just to give you a brief summary, 
So our annual operational expenses are about $1.6 million. Now that may seem like a lot, but probably only if you don't have a full understanding of everything that we do here. So we serve about 3,000 families in all kinds of ways, in, in faith formation, in weddings, in funerals, in all kinds of activities, all kinds of ministries even outside the parish. So this is 3,000 people then that are being served. And that money is spent, a good, a good portion of it, on employee compensation. So Father Ignatius and I, we get a modest amount as compensation. St. Paul said the laborers deserves their wage. We also employ several talented lay people who are professionals who have been trained in ministering. For example, even we have uh, ministry to three to five-year-olds, and there's a lot of training that goes into that catechesis of the Good Shepherd. We have a staff member who's dedicated her life to that. And, and all these staff members, most of them, um, this is not, they don't have a, a, you know, another source of income. This is, what they, this is what they live on, the money that they make from working for the parish. There's a, a lot that goes into the maintenance and upkeep of the physical plant of the parish. A lot, every, every day there's things that need to be fixed. Um, apparently our, our projectors and, and our, our laptop today maybe, right? So that's happening all the time. There's energy costs. I mean, it's nice to be in an air-conditioned church, isn't it? But this is a massive space to keep cool. And so that is quite expensive. We, are, we pay for skilled musicians to assist in six masses each weekend. There are all kinds of administrative costs. There's a lot of accounting that has to be done, record keeping. We have to pay for insurance. And there are various costs associated with all the ministries that we have. Back in the, the spring, around February, March, we were prepared a budget for the upcoming fiscal year, which starts in July, which we're in now. And we've always had surpluses, but this is the first year that we've projected a, a small deficit. Um, but because of that, we froze all of our employees' compensation. So uh, normally we like to at least give a cost of living increase every year. And I feel bad. I'm, as an employer, I feel bad not to be able to give our staff a cost of living increase. But I did tell them I was going to make an appeal to you, and if the year is turning out better than it seems, according to our projections, We'll make it up for them with a budget, I mean, with a bonus, rather. Also, too, we have a lot of savings, so I'll be honest with you. But we're not really sure how much our building project's going to cost in the end. You know, um, if you want an update on the building project, please call the city planning department. <laughs> the permitting process is taking forever. And so um, we, we, got it. we had a very detailed estimate done by the general contractor about 16 months ago, but we know that number is not good anymore. We know that costs have gone up since then. Probably it'll be 15% more than we had budgeted. So that's kind of one of the uncertainties we're dealing with now. And so I'm asking you over the next couple weeks to have a discussion, the decision makers in your household, um, to discern, to pray what your level of financial support will be for the parish. One of the easiest, easier ways to give is simply to click the donate button Secure online giving platform. You can give monthly, you can give periodically, you can split between the ordinary collection and the building fund as well. Or if you prefer to continue to give with envelopes, that's also great. Besides the stewardship of treasure, we also need to be good stewards of our time and talents. And so the parish always has needs for volunteers. Next weekend, 
after communion at each Mass, one of our volunteers will share a little bit about their experience of volunteering. But I also want to let you know that you can go onto our parish website and you click volunteer, and we've identified those ministries that have uh, requested more help. And you can have a brief description, and then you can click it, and you can see more about it. And I just had a meeting on Wednesday, which was, I just walked away on cloud nine. It was a wonderful meeting. It was uh, 13 of us, a meeting for new leaders for the Good Life Retreat, upcoming Good Life Retreat which is going to be in September, and we'll let you know more about that soon. And so these are uh, people who have committed to help with the retreat. And there was a mix of parishioners who have been here a while, and there are several parishioners who just joined the parish, like within the last couple of years. And uh, for them, many of them, the reason they started coming to our parish was because we were more open and more active during COVID than most other parishes. But it's, what, what edified me so much was they didn't just come in to sit and receive, but they all had got involved early on. They signed up for the Good Life Retreat last year. Some of them are involved in other ministries. Some of them go to daily mass even already. And to see that, to see brand new parishioners jump in with both feet. And, what, and one of the things that was obvious was they were overjoyed. And this is what I've noticed, is that if all you do is come to mass on Sundays, but you've never volunteered, you're unlikely to have good friends in the parish. You're unlikely to really feel invested in the parish. And so I also encourage you to think about a way that you can volunteer and have some discernment. It's interesting how Jesus puts it. So he doesn't say where your heart is, your treasure will follow. And that's true too, right? No, he says that where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And so there is something that happens when we choose to give something valuable that we have to an entity, a cause, a mission, people, that makes our heart follow as well and love more that to which we've given, where we've placed our treasure. So what keeps most people from giving more? Well, maybe it's greed, but I don't think that's the main reason for most people. I actually think it's fear. Most people fear if they give more that they will not have enough, maybe. There won't be enough left for them of their time, of their talent, or of their treasure. And so that's why I think Jesus begins today's gospel by saying this, Do not be afraid any longer, little flock, for your Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your belongings and give alms. Faith is the antidote to fear. And in our second reading, there's this wonderful tribute to Abraham and to his faith. Do you remember Abraham? Abram and Sarah? They were quite well off in Ur of the Chaldeans. Now, yes, they didn't have any children, but they had a big household, including servants, and they had a lot of wealth. And they were older. But when God reveals himself to Abraham, he tells him to leave that, leave the comfort and your prosperity and go now on this journey I'm going to send you on to this place, this land I want you to live on. And so, of course, a natural reaction would be to be afraid, but Abraham's faith overcame his fear. And even to that great moment, remember, when he's willing to offer his son Isaac, Isaac who is the son of the promise. And the fruit of Abraham and Sarah's faith is that God did fulfill all his promises he gave them descendants as multitudinous as the stars in the sky. And through one of those descendants, 
Jesus of Nazareth, he gave the world its savior. Generous stewardship is an expression of our faith in God. Our faith that God is good. He's a good master. There's a small detail in, in the first parable that Jesus tells about servants. I don't know if you picked this up. He says that of those faithful servants that are ready when the master returns from the wedding, how is the master going to reward them? Is he going to give them a bonus? No, much better. He says the master will serve them. And to the Jesus' listeners, this is not something that they would expect at all. It's not something they experience in their life. That's how much better God is, even than the best master here on earth. And so let us be those servants who are called blessed, those servants of whom Jesus says that he will have them recline at table and proceed to wait on them.